Welcome to the Friday Workplace Briefing. Workplace law changes so quickly. Tune in weekly to find out how the law is changing and what you need to do. G'day everyone. G'day Kim. <laughs> well, we had to drag her in screaming this Indeed. morning. Everyone's away. <laughs> I hate these things. Yeah, Kim just loves speaking off the cuff. There's nothing like it. Oh yeah, I love being under the spotlight too. This is my dream, Andrew. Yeah, well, I'm glad, glad that I'm part of it. Uh, next week, by the way, we're having a break because it's a public holiday. Woo-hoo. So most ridiculous public holiday. Yes, yeah, yeah, it is. What is it? The grand final. Grand final. Yeah. yeah. So although everyone else in every other state probably doesn't give a damn in Victoria, I pay everybody to go and leave. Mm. So thank you. The week after that, though, we are going to look at a great case that came through on contractor management and principals obligations. And despite all the rubbish that is out there that you can contract out liability under safety, this case shows uniquely how difficult that actually is and what you have to do. But that's for two weeks' time. Kim, let's... Cut into it. Okay. Fair Work Commission President Ross on the 22nd of August said he's going to publish bi-weekly the latest data on uh, annualised wage increases set by those which have been lodged, not, not certified and passed. Not very accurate data, I may add, but it's coming in, Kim, at around 3% in the last time. It's going to start formally on the, I think it's the 26th September, September, but already it's showing around about 3 to 3.1% is the average wage increase, which is startling when you think inflation is running now much faster, but was at the minimum wage case at 4.9%. But most EAs have a buffer above the award. They do, and I think what's happening here, Kim, is although the award is here and the EA is here, and remember, only 8% of Australia outside of the public service as an enterprise agreement. Mm, What's happening is it's being absorbed in. That difference between what is the enterprise agreement and what is the award difference is gradually being stolen in wage increases. So the net effect of that is that people are getting paid less. Mm. And that's pretty scary, isn't it, when you think about a couple of other things like full employment figures and you understand that that buffer gets smaller each time, we're heading towards a period of very genuine dispute. You see it mainly in the manufacturing when the heavy industries where enterprise agreements are, and, of course, those employers simply can't raise wages any further because their input costs and their supply chain problems are significantly more expensive than labour. So the only place they can steal money back from is labour. So look forward to some disputes coming because it's coming, particularly while there is a tight talent market. Pandemic leave? Pandemic leave. So the payments were due to end on the 30th of September. They have been extended indefinitely. So that everyone can give a group hug. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knows when it's going to finish, but as long as that's a political football, good news is deaths for COVID have dropped dramatically all around the world and absenteeism result of COVID has gone way down. This latest tweak is that you can't do it more than three and six months. You've got to be a pretty sickly bugger to do it more than three and six months. I don't think that's going to affect anything. What I did want to talk today about is an interesting thing called the cultural standard that's being put together by the Victorian and New South Wales government, along with the Building Industry Task Force, to look at the treatment of women within the most difficult of industry for women, which is construction. Pretty interesting stuff. So what it's doing is it's ensuring by setting a standard, and they're trialling it on two work sites in Sydney CBD, that ensures there is parity and equity with women and they're treated respectfully. So no writing disgusting things, saying bad things, ensuring there is flexibility of work, doing pay gap analysis. It's a standard which is not binding in law upon anyone other than trialling it on these two sites to try and set new behaviours. 
but it has bigger, bigger. It'll have bigger ramifications, I think, across other industries and not just the construction industry. And, and in other parts of law. So these types of things that set this describe what is good conduct. Now, if we went to look at safety law, for instance, it would be evidence of what is reasonably practical. So if a woman was not provided with flexible work, forget about the Fair Work Act, they'd be saying, and they have carers' responsibilities, they'd be saying that's a psychological hazard mm. because this standard says you can get around it. So do you see it starts off in safety, but then it bleeds into other areas like discrimination law. When it says, well, in discrimination law, good behaviour for a woman in a construction workplace looks like this. Mm. And as you said, Kim, mm. if it's good enough for construction, yeah. the most difficult place, it's a standard that applies across everything else. Mm. And that also means for workers' compensation because yeah. it says what is reasonable management action, what is good behaviour towards a person. And if they have a psychological claim because you didn't provide them with flexibility of work or you did place them in a workplace where disparaging messages were written about women, yeah. the claim's going to be accepted. Totally. So although this is just a standard which has no other meaning, it's not an Australian standard, mm. so it's not a recognised standard, mm. it creates a base from which the law can start to respond to what is bad. Yeah. And each type of law, workers' compensation, discrimination law, safety law and employment law when it comes towards dismissal and adverse, all will look at this and say, well, that's what good is. And if you don't do that, mm. wherever you are, mm, if the construction industry can do it, why mm. can't you? So interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. Let's follow that because it'll be interesting to see yeah. what happens after this trial and we'll keep coming back to it. Yeah. Now, I think this is Nina, the pitfalls of quite far, and yeah. she's right into this, but Vinsky is a really interesting case. It's not fascinating in law, I might add, but it's an interesting factual case. woman put in a workers' comp Bulling claim. claim. Bullying claim. Yep. Do you get a feeling about this woman from the case? <laughs> I think having read the case, she was quite a difficult employee. <laughs> difficult? But the way they handled it was not best. Well, let's practice. talk about the way they handled So yeah. she put in a claim, she came back to work and found out a desk had gone. All, all the equipment had gone. All, all the belongings had been moved. All of her emails that she had received <laughs> were going to her so, manager. But, but wait, there's more. <laughs> they, they then took away from her the clients that delivered her the greatest opportunity in cash, the high-level clients. This is a, a car dealer. And so it went on. Now, she brought an anti-bullying claim. Now, there's a really important thing about an anti-bullying claim in workers' comp, isn't it, Kim? Because mm. the tests around reasonable management actually are the same. Yeah. Except in... The bullying jurisdiction, it's a very robust test of reasonable management action. In the right. workers' compensation, you just have to look sideways and yeah. you're in trouble. Okay, it's a slightly it's all about different. Perception, which is like so, anyway. the fair work bullying jurisdiction is a joke jurisdiction. I just want to say that. <laughs> Barely a thousand cases go there a year mm -hmm. from 20 million people. It's a joke jurisdiction that was set up by Bill Shorten at a time when he needed a bit of politi political points on his side. But it is also a toothless tiger in the greatest form. So it came out and said, yes, you're very naughty <laughs> and your order is be fair to her. Mm. And to her they said, stop being a naughty girl. <laughs> <laughs> so the case stands for bugger all, actually, as far as the law goes. But it is an interesting case about what happens. Yeah, because reading between the lines, she was a difficult employee, but instead of dealing with it head on, they just tried to take away all the benefits to try and get it quit. Yeah, although you could look at it another way. I think this is what we'd agreed in the green room. <laughs> you could look at it like... Do you do have a very short If you look at it objectively, you could see there was a reason, an arguable reason as to why you do something. Look, we, we forwarded all the emails to the manager so she wouldn't be stressed. We took away the more complex clients so she wouldn't be stressed. There was actually an arguable case that sat behind it, but it was done out of vindictiveness. Yes. And, and no one spoke to her when she came back. <laughs> 
no, no, no. So that, was, yeah, that was bad. But <laughs> that I, was bad. When you're dealing with your most difficult person, be your best is the short answer. Yeah. And have a structured process around mm. that's based on fact rather than revenge. But they right. took a real risk with her because they knew she had a work cover history and they were just driving us straight back to another work cover. And they got out of it so light and they, they got a bullying claim. Yeah. If it hadn't gone back as a workers' comp and site claim, oh, cost them thousands. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So there you go. Interesting case, a lot of fun. <laughs> Don't worry if you send off the bullying jurisdiction. Drug and alcohol policies, Hancock and DP World. No, you've missed one, haven't you? Have I missed one? I have. I missed a Looney Ruby. Uh, this is an interesting one. I'm yeah, a Looney Ruby and National yeah, Rugby League. This was a this was a coach. Uh, not a coach. It wasn't a referee. Coach. It was a referee. NRL. Yeah, he went to Vietnam in year four. So he had four rolling contracts, but in year four he went to Vietnam. He got sick. He came back and he wasn't able to perform his role, and there were some real concerns about his physical state and capacity to do his role as a referee. So when the end of that year, they had a deliberate decision discussion with him and said, look, we're concerned about your capacity to do this. We're willing to give you only one more year. Yep. So the things to note about this are at the end of each year, there was a very deliberate discussion. The rugby season is a short season. It's not a whole year, so it's not that you flow from year to year, end on end. There was a deliberate discussion at each end of year as to what the value of that contract was based on your performance. So it was a different contract each year that yeah. came across. And on the fifth year, they said, look, this is your last year and there's a very good reason why. And he agreed to that. And then at the at the end of that, he said, look, you've treated me, I think it was an adverse action claim in the end that he made. Yeah. And the court said, look, there's no jurisdiction because these were maximum term contracts. And you weren't terminated. You weren't terminated. The contract itself terminated itself. Fascinating stuff. So it comes to a case called Cayenne and Navitas, which set out the rules around it, Kim. But yeah. the rules are very clear that you go to context and you look very carefully at what was the nature of the role within an organisation and was it genuinely a fixed-term contract. Yeah, so there's got to be alignment between the term of the contract and the business requirements. So, for example, if you've got someone who's like a social worker who's received, they work because they've got funding for the particular project that they're working on, that would be a genuine... Yeah, and that might be renewed the following year and then yeah. you'd have a discussion. But what Navitas says as a case is you've got to look very carefully at the context. You've then got to make sure there is a mutuality. Both parties agree this is... So you can't just let it roll. Mm. There's got to be a time when you both sit down and you go through it and you identify what is the period you're going to be employed for why and how it aligns with the business yeah. and you both got to agree. Yeah. And if you do that and you document it, you've got the contemporaneous evidence of what is the contract yeah. and you've got the fixed term contract and then there is no unfair dismissal adverse action risk based on the jurisdiction part of it. Yeah, because so the lack of mutuality is absolutely fatal. It is fatal. Yeah. All right, we're going to race now because we're starting to run behind oh, time because Kim just talks so, so much. Uh, <laughs> Hancock and DP World, very quick case. This is a case about a guy who smoked cannabis for 16 days before he turned up to work. Not surprisingly, his THC levels were above the, the maximum prescribed level by TP World, which is a high-risk business which set up and consulted upon a safety policy that existed for a long time around drugs and safety, for which there were regular bulletins he was aware. And he ran the argument based on Regulation 107 and the Fair Work regs, I might have had cannabis in me, but I wasn't affected. And, and what did the court say? Does it matter? The policy. <laughs> you say a bit more. Try a bit more, Kim. I know we're running out of time here. But the policy was reasonable. Yep. The safety concerns. Oh, they consulted what? with him. Yeah, so no, there was a lawful and reasonable <laughs> direction. That's what you're after, wasn't it? 
So that was unfair. I threw that and King didn't have notes on that. <laughs> so, yes, this was nothing to do with that. It was effective. It was a lawful and reasonable direction. And he breached it. And it's a serious breach and he knew about it and therefore was a valid, lawful and reasonable termination. Yeah. Impairment wasn't relevant, Adam. Let's go, Kim. Something you do know about, Workplace Injury Commission. <laughs> Tell us about that. Okay, so Accident Compensation Commission has been renamed Workplace Injury Commission as from 1 September. So that's not exciting. That's not exciting, but when people start hearing about WIC, they'll think, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, we expect to so usual conciliation process but now they can also go to arbitration if a genuine dispute certificate is issued at the end of conciliation and the worker's claim remains rejected. Now they don't have to wait 12 months for their case to go to the magistrate's court or county court. And that's actually for us who use this as a strategy. Yeah, it's not a great outcome. It's not a great outcome because it puts pressure. We often deal with the most difficult people who bring these claims and by having to wait 12 months of that being paid, things are inclined to resolve. What this now does, and this happens in other jurisdictions, is this, the quick way through to arbitration means that employees aren't going to throw their claim away because they're in mm, the game, yeah. doesn't it? That's really what it means. And I see no advantage. I was hoping we'd get some advantage for employers out of this, but we're really not no, because no. it's still all driven by the insurer. No, no. And, look, the, yeah, the bottom line is it's probably fairer than what did before and that was just a dark, strat dark hat strategy yeah. we had before. Okay, let's get on to your headline topic, which is managing workers' compensation. Okay. All right. You have a claim coming in, Kim. What yes. do you do about it? Okay. So, first of all, most of our claims are coming in these days, site claims. So, we'll probably focus a bit more on that today. So, a fairly recent change, but you weren't that familiar with it, so we'd better talk about well, it. We don't have a lot of time for you to bag <laughs> All right. Me, okay. Right? <laughs> Stress claim, you, know, you don't have to wait your 10 days. You must put in Part A every form within three days. The reason for this is... Workers just weren't getting treatment quickly enough where an employer was just... Fact, it used to take about three months to get a psych. Yeah. psych there. So, so now they the can get it in three days. The idea is get people treated because the longer people are off work, the much less chance of them coming back. So we really want to... So line in the sand, three days for side claims, 10 days for normal claims. For normal claims. And yeah. then still 28 days from the 10th day to determine liability. So to answer your question, if we get a claim, we must make a decision as an employer whether we accept it or not. Is it a valid claim? If we most are, let's be truthful, but a lot what we do with yeah, we're like we're like pathologists. Yeah. We only see the dead bodies. So, but the most important thing is you don't want to reject a claim or dispute a claim with an insurer unless you've got evidence saying why it isn't genuine. Yeah, and it wants to be a strong argument. It's got to be a strong argument because they're getting more and more accepted. So you don't want to burn your relationship with your insurer either by constantly disputing every claim that comes in because they just won't accept that it's a... And more open, more open now because in, mo in many of the jurisdictions, it's not the insurer that makes the claim of the side claim anymore. It's actually the, the, the government who makes the claim. Yeah, so right. if yeah, you're burning your, burning your advocate, you're, it's not crazy right. stuff. Yeah. Let's jump on, on a bit before. What are the risks around me, regional management action? So let's talk about this yeah. side claim. Yeah. Three parts for side claim. Does a person have a psychological injury? Did it occur at work? Yeah. And then Did it arise wholly or predominantly as a result of reasonable management? If someone's not performing at work, you must formalise the, the performance management of them, whether it be from a lower level from counselling up to performance improvement planning up to a disciplinary outcome. It must be formalised and put some structure around it. If it's not, the insurer will say, you've taken this softly, softly approach with this person. Yes, they haven't been performing well, but you actually haven't managed them. There's been no 
performance improvement or any sort of management action, therefore we're going to accept the claim. Okay. Now, as a wellbeing practitioner, for me, as a lawyer does wellbeing and also does the employment and the dirty side of employment law, please don't be scared about formalising stuff. It's actually mm-hmm. a structure which gives people certainty. People need certainty when yeah. their performance is dropped. It gives you clarity around what good looks like and it gives them a chance to know how to be good. So it's actually the right thing to do, mm. and people need to know when they're not meeting the standard. Yeah, and it will help them improve. Yeah. It's not people don't necessarily have to assume that, oh, you're trying to get rid of me, you're trying to terminate me. If you do it properly, they'll realise that you're actually trying to support them and get them working more productively. And if you do go in there with your black hat in and use this as a process towards termination, yeah. A, you're going to get a shocking response from the person you're talking about, but B, your claim's going to be accepted. Yeah. All right. What happens when the claim is accepted? Okay. Well, your first question to me is, can the employer appeal it? That wasn't, but it was oh, meant, no. to, it was meant <laughs> to be the question, was uh, No, we call it workers' compensation for a reason. It's very skewed towards workers. We can, as an employer, seek an internal review. I think in my career I've known one to succeed and then get overturned to conceal. And the only other option is to appeal to the Supreme Court, incredibly expensive, so that just doesn't happen. So when the claim is accepted, what we need to focus on is reducing the claims costs of that claim to get people back to work as quickly as possible, and therefore we won't see our premiums skyrocketing. Well, let's do that by just having a look jurisdiction by jurisdiction. What are the drivers of premium? Okay, so in Victoria we've got statistical case estimate, which is the cost of that claim that WorkSafe assesses it will be. And that's basically around three things, isn't it, which is nature of the injury, yep. history, yep. nature of the industry that you're in. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. So Victoria SCE industry classification, the more dangerous the occupation, the higher yep. in premium and your remuneration, yep. business remuneration. New South Wales and South Australia are very similar. They no longer have statistical case estimates to actually look at weekly benefits. So this is why return to work is so important. If people aren't returned to work, weekly benefits are higher, therefore premium gets higher. Let's use psychological claims. If someone's not back within four weeks in a psych claim... 45 days, um, 50% chance of getting back. I think if it's 75 days, pretty well they're never going to get back to work. So that's why as soon as a claim comes in, you start talking about return to work. You engage with the worker. Don't leave them at home for the 38 days while you're rejecting the claim. And then suddenly the claim's accepted and thinking, oh, shit. You know, they've already been... I don't, think anybody, Sorry. I don't think anybody there's going to be shit. Um, I would never have said that. I forgot I'm not allowed to swear. Um, I swore. I swore. Anyway, you <laughs> sidetracked me. Eh? Anyway, okay. we need to focus on return to work, get them back. New South Wales and South Australia, next one. Move on. Going on. Um, <laughs> I did that one. I know, one after that. Queensland, <laughs> they look at three years of statutory claims, five years of common law claim history. Yeah. If you're in... The other states or territories, that's a better thing because you can actually shop around because they are they determine their own premium based on their own claims history within their own insurance company. And that's their right. Own so purely risk-based. Purely risk-based. So no, over, no regulator controlling no, what it's going to be. So, look, I think the lessons that come out of that is get people back, have really good engagement as quickly as possible. With them and their doctor. Yep. Convince their doctor that you're actually supporting their worker because most doctors don't trust employees. That's so right. That's so really keep really a straight face. Well. Yeah, very important. <laughs> Why don't we just talk about one thing, which is you've got a difficult employee, they've gone workers' comp, their claims have been accepted around bullying about a particular superior. What can we do? Okay. So what we want to do ideally is get medical evidence to say that 
this worker can still do their job, just not with their manager. Because workers' their compensation is about capacity. Yeah. It's not about That's who you right. don't like. Yeah, exactly. So very well could be that someone would have capacity to do their job but just in a different workplace and that provides a grounds to terminate the claim under what we call carriage. Yeah, and the important part about that is in your own business it might be that Lockie reports to Kim mm. and Kim bullies Lockie, which she does, I might add, and Lockie says, I can't work with Kim, gets a claim in, succeeds, and then I just say, all right, Lockie, you report to me mm. and I'm an easy guy to get on with anyone, I'll tell you that. And yeah. after that, and Lockie still says no and we terminate his claim. It's a bit of a process, but... Yeah, interesting case. Now, that's workers' comp because we rarely get Kim on her and she's just a gem at it. We are now going into the problem, which she can read from the screen. It's a long problem today, so hang in. Okay, go, okay. Kim. Malcolm has taken three weeks' personal leave for stress, which he said was caused by his boss, Madeline, the CFO. Too many M's, Andrew. Two days before he went on leave, Malcolm told Freya from HR that he finds Madeline very disorganised, often seeking information at the last minute and providing very little guidance as to what she needs. Freya asked whether he felt unsafe at work and Malcolm confirmed he didn't, just stressed. The first step in the organisation's complaint policy was to seek to resolve issues between the affected parties. So Freya can And you'll see that Sophie's changed the actual problem. So I might read the problem from here. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Sophie, you've been editing the problem. Well done. <laughs> Freya convened a meeting the following day with Malcolm and Madeline to seek to informally resolve the issues, the first step of the organisation's complaint policy. Yeah, Madeline was a highly organised person, so when they got to the meeting, she had copies of all the emails she'd sent to Malcolm over the last two months with his responses. Madeline apologised to Malcolm if she had done the wrong thing and explained that sometimes she missed emotional cues, asking him to help her show her which one were the problem so she could change her behaviour. Malcolm just rolled his eyes turned to Freya and said, see, Kim. Okay, Freya was a gentle soul and encouraged Malcolm to play along and identify an example from Madeline so she can understand. Malcolm provided an example from 12 July, reporting that Madeline had sent him an email asking him to do an analysis of debtors for the board meeting the next day. There were thousands of debtors and he had stayed up all night. In response, Madeline withdrew four emails from her record showing she'd first asked for the information over a month before and had gently followed up twice. When she received it two days before the board meeting, it had numerous errors, missed all debtors over 30 days and was not in the approved format. Madeline then showed Freya her email response after reviewing it overnight. Malcolm, this is not what I asked for, referred to the detailed email sent prior, is in the wrong format and for reasons I don't understand, you have excluded all debtors over 30 days. I need this fixed immediately as I go to the board tomorrow afternoon at 2pm regards Maddie. Malcolm rolled his eyes again and responded, see, no guidance at all, just criticism. <laughs> Madeline became distressed, turned to Freya and said, see what I must deal with, I have done everything right and he still says it's my fault. Malcolm took stress leave the next day and whilst he was away, Freya worked with Madeline to reduce Malcolm's load and set up a performance process. It was obvious from the email and Malcolm's response that he was simply not coping with his work. Madeline, far from being disorganised, was very particular but a little slow to push him and get things done, which resulted in it needing to be done at short notice. Note the emphasis, people. When Malcolm returned, he met with Freya and Madeline. Madeline informed him that to help him not be stressed, she had reallocated all board reporting work for the moment and they would now set up a performance process to monitor his stress levels. 
they would support him, but also ensure he performed well with a smaller role before reintroducing the work she had removed. Malcolm rolled his eyes again, got up and walked out saying, now you say it's my problem, I won't be bullied just because I made a complaint. This is a long problem. And there you go. <laughs> now, I'm allowed to say download it. I think you're meant to do something with to do something else. Don't you have this discussion with Nina every Every time. I know, but Nina's not here, so I can't have the fun of having it. I don't know. Or you'll be glad to have Matt back next week, Andrew. Well, he'll just criticise me. <laughs> You're so scared you don't. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I will be not. Well, I won't have Matt back next week because we're on Oh, no, next week. Following week, sorry. I'm actually, I'm actually feeling tense for you. <laughs> I never feel this hot, but I'm boiling. I'll need to see my after this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is this is a psychological hazard. <laughs> you see, I have to do this anymore. It's not good for my health. Do we need to let people concentrate? No, they're working very hard. Mm. Right, ten seconds left, then pens down. Tell you what, time goes quick, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I used to be an invigilator in exams. So five <laughs> seconds, pens down. Two. One. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So the first question: If Malcolm made a workers' compensation claim regarding Madeline's management and treatment of him. Would it be accepted, Kim? I reckon it would. He would claim that. So bad. Isn't I know it? it is. It's terrible. But his perception, and there's no argument around perception, unfortunately, and I've got to find one because it kills me. He will say that I was overworked and I wasn't managed properly, and he wasn't performance managed. Madeline took the soft approach, didn't put any structural formality around it. So the insurer will say no reasonable management action. So I think it will get accepted. Oh, there you go. I wrote this problem. It's good. Was Madeline's treatment of him a psychological hazard? As far as safety law goes, it's a slightly higher bar than workers' compensation. <laughs> so I think I think there is, if it, if it was a hazard, and I think it could have been called a hazard, the level of risk was so low. This is this is a problem of Malcolm's making, not of hers. So that's the answer to two. So yes, it probably is a very low level psychological hazard as far as risk goes, and the controls that she'd done as far as safety law goes, and a curb would be fine. Next question, if Malcolm also made an anti-bullying complaint, the Fair Work Commission, would he be successful? Now, remember, Kim just said reasonable management action failed in workers' compensation. If he went along to the anti-bullying jurisdiction, which is a paper tiger in any event, so it'd be there with his little paper teeth gap on <laughs> gumming it, you wouldn't get past conciliation. By the way, only about 10 decisions a year are made. Uh, it's a pretty retiring jurisdiction as well. Everything is settled. But he would be laughed at mm. for being a bum in the fair work. It's a much more robust jurisdiction. Yeah. And if they were to make orders, that might be something to do with a better structure around consultation, around the return to work and the nature of work taken, but that's all it would be. Yeah. If the workers' compensation claim was successful, could it be terminated if Malcolm refused to return to work once his reporting line was changed to the CEO who worked in another part of the building? And this is on the basis that he had capacity, he yeah. just couldn't work with Madeline. Yeah. So we can either get a report from his treating doctor to say that, yes, he can do his normal job but just not with – it's normally with that workplace but it could be reporting to a different person in this case in a different location that would work or the insurer could get an IME to the same effect and then they'd be able to terminate his entitlements under carriage, whether or not he's got a job to go to or not. Okay, so it's a pretty exciting case, Okay. And one which you need Kim's support and direction when you're doing because it requires a lot of structure. Yeah. But there you go. Last question, could Malcolm have a viable general protections claim? Well, the answer is there's a few factors there. He's raised a complaint. Yeah. He's possibly got a mental health, but it's probably not enough to get it. It's a protected attribute. 
I think after the judge got off of the ground holding his or her stomach from laughing so much and pointing the finger and saying, Malcolm, you're a dick, get out of here, I think there's no chance it would succeed at all. I know a few plaintiffs firms in Sydney would give it a good run. Yeah, they certainly would. <laughs> so the answer is Easy. if you do this the right way with a bit more formal structure, Malcolm was the problem here, always was the problem, mm. okay? But all Madeline had to do was put some more formalised structure and all these problems you've seen would have disappeared. That's right. Isn't it strange? Big case and that could have happened. We've got 25 seconds left, Kim. How do oh. we get there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably the last we're going to see, Kim, for a yeah. long, long time, but oh. we're going to miss it greatly. <laughs> Okay, guys, love to see you and thank you very much. See you in two weeks' time. Two weeks' time, okay? Have a great short week next week. Yeah, great short week. Enjoy all the holidays we're having. Yeah.